Destiny Church 217 podcast. Today we're hearing from Pastor Eric, Senior Leader of Destiny Church. In this message, we continue in our series, Jesus Loves. Our focus this week is on Jesus loving the sick. Following the message, take a look at the episode description, where you can find scripture references as well as helpful links to learn more about the ministry of Destiny Church. Praise the Lord. Good to have you here this morning. Welcome in the name of the Lord. And uh, I'm very excited to uh, talk about the word this morning. We're in a series called Jesus Loves. And last week we talked about Jesus loves the lost. And we dove into Luke chapter 15 and talked about uh, the lost son and the lost coin, the lost sheep. And very impactful for many of us. And today I want to talk about how Jesus loves the sick. And so if you have your Bibles... Uh, open them up, if you would, please. We're going to uh, jump in right before the Sermon on the Mount. As soon as I mute all of my uh, people texting and so forth. There we are. All right, so you know where the Sermon on the Mount is? That's Matthew chapter 5. Well, right before that, it reads like this, beginning at the 23rd verse. Jesus went throughout Galilee, that's the region up by the Sea of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news in the kingdom Uh, and the kingdom, and healing, everybody say every disease, every disease, say every, every disease and sickness among the people, news about him, of course, spread all over Syria, we know where Syria is today, right, that's the northern region, that's where Damascus is, um, in the news today, and people uh, brought with him all who were ill, sick, various diseases, those suffering from severe pain. Uh, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds uh, from Galilee, uh, Decapolis, Deca, which means 10, the 10 cities around the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee, that's a region, Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across Transjordan on the other side. And then it begins with the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit, etc., so I know that uh, sickness is a deal, and have you been sick lately? Have you had pain in your body lately? And you, you say, hey, someone says, hey, how you doing? I'm not feeling too good. And they'll go, oh, oh, oh. I'll pray for you. That's good, right? Some will pray for you on the spot. Um, and then they forget about you, and then you go away, and you still have pain and you're still sick. Well, then you have uh, family members, and you tell them, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Oh, how are you? And, and they'll stick with you a while, right? But after a while, it's like, get up. <laughs> I mean, patience wears thin after a while with sick people and people in pain. I, I, I'm not happy to say that, kind of sad to say that, but it is the reality of life that those of us, those of you who have been sick chronically, who have had pain chronically, um, have found that not a whole lot of people will walk you all the way through that. They may walk with you the first mile or two, and then they'll call you every day, and then they'll call you once a month, and then they forget that you were sick, or you were in pain, or you have a premature baby in the hospital for what now? How many weeks? It'd be 40 days. Yeah, still continuing. Three pounds and six ounces, praise the Lord. Praise God, that's awesome. 
little Charlie. We're believing for her. And, uh, but then, then you go to a whole other level and you talk about disease, right? So you're, you're sick, you've got the cold, COVID 7.0, and, uh, or you've got some sort of pain, and it's temper. My wife pulled a muscle watching the grandkids the other day, uh, or sleeping, one or the other. We're not quite sure. Have you pulled a muscle sleeping? Or is it just stretching like, ah! Yeah, that's what happens when you get... When you get up to our age, you can pull, actually pull them out. And she came out of the bedroom limping like she was 90 years old. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I said, we got stuff to do today. Pull yourself together, woman. <laughs> so sympathy didn't last, too, didn't, didn't last too long, but we got it together and took care of the grandbabies. And, uh, um, but, but a disease, disease is a whole, a whole new thing. You know, People will walk with you and stay with you, but... Uh, um, well, then you go to the doctor, right? When it gets serious, you go to the doctor. And you see the doctor, but you know the doctor, <laughs> a lot of us want to think the doctor keeps track of us. They don't keep track of you when you come on their radar, right? When you walk out of that room, they're on to the next bay. I'm not dissing doctors. My wife's a nurse. It's how it is. It's like, oh, they care about, yeah, they care about you because you're in that room right there. But when you go away, you're, you're not ultimately a concern of theirs other than the fact that you're their patient. Well, then if it gets worse, where do you end up? You end up in the hospital, and now you see them more regularly, but as soon as they leave your room, they move on to the next room, and you're a chart, and you walk into the clinic, they don't ask you your name, they don't ask you your name, it's what's your birth date, because you're a number, right? Who are you? What's your birth date? And uh, uh, that's really interesting. And uh, so, so you're sick, you're in the hospital, and now they're making rounds, and they see you when it, We'll see you in the morning, whatever that means, and, and they may or may not come by in the morning. And, and, uh, but then you get like really, really sick. Now you're in ICU, and now they check on you like every hour. You can't even get any sleep. And by the way, a hospital is no place to get rest, right? Because they're constantly jabbing you or taking your, your blood pressure or whatever. So now you're like really sick, and you're only getting somebody stopping in and see you once an hour. But how would it be? I mean, my wife tells me this, and it's true, because I go to the hospital when, when there are dire situations, and, and I see that. And it's, it's, it's the person in the hospital that has an advocate, a person sitting there in their room, right there, by their side. So maybe sleeping there, but they're there. So that when nurses come in and when doctors come, they go, oh, someone is here looking after you and making sure your level of care is good. Anybody? You tracking with me? Have you followed the progress of how this goes? Right? So it's the person that has the advocate, the person that has the person stand right there with them, like uh, uh, Justin did with Cheryl when she was uh, in the nursing home. Somebody that's just constantly there. But the thing about Jesus is he's always there with you. He is your advocate. And you may think, you may believe you may feel like people have left you in your sickness, in your disease, in this difficult situation, and you don't have anybody rooting for you, pulling for you. I'm here today to tell you that Jesus is pulling for you, that Jesus loves sick people, and he loves you today. In his eyes, there's no judgment. I just laid my hand open with a razor blade a number of years ago. I was cutting something, and you know how you're, no, you're supposed to not cut towards yourself? You're supposed to cut towards your buddy? Yeah. 
well, I was cutting towards myself, and I laid my hand wide, wide open, and I didn't cut any tendons or anything. It was just a miracle, but I had to go down to the ER, and, of course, the doctor says, let me see that, and then proceeds to pull it open, my palm on my hand. He goes, oh, yeah, you're going to need some stitches. And how'd you do that? Well, I did it with a razor blade. He looked at me like, you ignorant, stupid person. You know, the ju- not, not a super judgmental way, but he, I was like, he was like, maybe not having the best of days, but he looked at me like, like, how did you, you dipwad, how did you do that? And, and the thing about Jesus is there's no judgment there. No matter how, no matter how stupid you were, in injuring yourself, he still loves you. He's going to show you compassion, and he's going to show you mercy. So the thing about him is his, his compassion has no bounds. He's full of wisdom. He knows how you did it, and he's patient, and he's merciful, and he's gracious, and he loves you. So where does this leave us? It leaves us in our sickness, in our disease, in our pain, whatever situation you're in, where that's concerned, with still a reason to worship him and to rejoice, even while you have this difficulty in your life. And the first thing I wanna tell you is that you have a reason to rejoice because you're not alone. It says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five, it says he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. What does that mean? That means when you're not at the hospital with Charlie, Jesus is sitting in a chair right next to that little, they don't call them incubators anymore, what do they call them? Giraffes or something like that. Giraffes, yeah, it's crazy. I thought that was really strange too, but I like it better than incubator. Uh, Or wherever it is that you find yourself. Maybe those of you that are listening by uh, maybe a podcast today, watching by television in the hospital. Um, And some of you, in your sickness, in your disease, and you think you're all alone, he has a promise for you, and you can rejoice in that. He says, I will never, I will always be sitting by your bedside. I'll be the one that when anybody comes, I'll be the one sitting in that gap for you. I love you, and I will take care of you. He's your advocate. And the thing about that is, just like in, in a courtroom, when you have a lawyer who is your advocate. But the thing about Jesus, he's also the judge. So it's kind of rigged against the enemy. It's rigged in your favor. Well, the same is true where healing is concerned. He's not only your advocate, but he is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who healeth thee. And so that's a reason to rejoice. He'll never leave you. Secondly, you can rejoice that his compassion has no bounds. The thing about compassion is it goes way beyond, oh, I feel sorry for you, and a pat on the back, and I'll pray for you, but I have compassion, meaning my heart goes out to you. His compassion knows no bound. The verse is Matthew 14, and it says this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Okay, that's a great verse. Jesus has compassion. Well, you know when you're having a bad day, it may not be easy to have compassion for people. You have an excuse to be short with people. I don't have time to help you. I've really got my hands full with my own emotions. 
I have my hands full with my own circumstance. And so therefore you become all, all way down the line, secondary, tertiary, way, put, because I have needs of my own and these are really pressing needs for me. Well, when Jesus, when we see this in Matthew 14, Jesus landed, saw a large crowd. He immediately had compassion on them. But if he was having a bad day, he could have said, listen, get lost. I've been very busy today. I've got some bad news today. I have other things to process. And these multitudes of sick people, I don't have time for you. But that's not what happened. You take that verse, Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, and let's put it in context. The few verses right before that, 12 and 13, it says this. John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. And what does this mean? This is John uh, the Baptist, good friend, cousin of Jesus. John's disciples came and took his body and he buried it and they, told, and they went and they told Jesus. And when Jesus heard what had happened to John the Baptist, he withdrew by a boat privately to a solitary place. And hearing of this, that oh, Jesus is in the, is in the region, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And when he landed, he, there's the verse. And when Jesus landed, he saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them. He had just gotten word that John the Baptist had been decapitated his good friend, the one who baptized him in the Jordan River, that John the Baptist, he just got that word. He's going away to pray in a solitary, and the crowd see him. He turns and he sees the crowd and doesn't go, get out of here. Go away. I'm busy. Can't you see I've got important things to do? No, he says, I got comp- come here. I've got compassion for you. See how that's not like you? See how that's not like me? That's why we rejoice. His compassion never reaches empty. He loves you. So, we have time, so let's talk about it for a second. In this having compassion. I gave you the example of John the Baptist losing his head and Jesus possibly saying, you know, this now is not the time. Imagine in this meeting, all of a sudden we hear an ax on the ceiling and someone is about to lower their good friend into the middle of this meeting because it's so full. Sad to say, I might say, safety team, get on the roof and kick those people out of here. I got no time for this noise. Yeah? And we'd all go, yeah, Pastor, that sounds reasonable. Jesus no, he just, hold on, let's see what happens here. I mean, it just didn't happen instantaneously. Jesus had to stop teaching while the roof was being ripped off of his house and he had to look and go, hmm, well, that's interesting. And then his four buddies who lowered him down, and, 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 and I, know, I don't know what your mental image of this is, I always used to think there was like one rope on all four ends of the little gurney thing, you know, the stretcher. But that's a pretty big hole to cut. And then to have all four of them lower them down like at the same time without him falling off, that took some skill. I think they just strapped him to that thing. Maybe one rope or two, and then he comes down vertically, not horizontally. That's what I think. And he's just spinning there like this, strapped to. He's spinning. And Jesus looks up and there's the four buddies. Look, this is how I read the Bible. I don't know about you, this is how I read it. 
This is how I, I, it's a movie for me. This is why, I'm like, wow. At what point would any of us say, this is a circus, get these people out of here. Not Jesus, not Jesus. He said, well, obviously this is a very, very big need. And his four friends have some faith. And so we're gonna, we're gonna roll with this. What happened at the end of the story? He said, take up, your, take up your mat and go, you're healed. Wow. Jesus loves sick people. He stops and he helps sick. He doesn't disregard sick people. He says, all who were diseased. Not just the wealthy, not just the pretty, not just the well-heeled, not the ones that really had an accident. He even helped the ones that did it to themselves. Cut themselves. So let's recap. We rejoice even while we're sick and diseased. Why? Because we know we're not alone. Secondly, his compassion knows no bounds. And thirdly, I thought long and hard, and I thought, you know what's really cool about the idea of rejoicing, even in your, this disposition, is that you can be reminded he came and fulfilled all prophecy. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, he, meaning Jesus, prophetically speaking, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. That's the prophet Isaiah. Hundreds and hundreds of years, 500 years before Jesus, prophesying that that's gonna come true. Well, big deal. Well, the New Testament affirms it in 1 Peter 2. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. So we have the Old Testament prophecy. We have, boom, the New Testament confirming that Jesus is the one who fulfilled that prophecy, which is his wounds that he took were for you, for your healing, for my healing. Well, I'm, I'm not sick, Pastor. This, this sermon's not relevant to me. Well, I have a slide to show you that says you're gonna probably need to call on the name of Jehovah Rapha sometime during your life because six in 10 adults in America currently have a chronic disease. 60% of you in this room have some sort of chronic disease. That's not people out there. This is America, 60% of us. That means you. Four in 10 have more, two or more, almost half. Look to your left, look to your right. If you don't think it's them, it's you. What is that? That means there's sickness and there's disease in this room today. There's pain in this room today. All right, pastor, you've set us up. How do I get my healing, right? Give me, give me, the, give me the, a third of a cup of this and a pinch of that and a half a cup of that and whisk briskly, bring it to a simmer, boil it, bring it, cover it. No, I'm not gonna talk about the seven ways. I'm not a seven ways kind of guy. I'm not a 12 ways kind of guy because those are formulas and, and Jesus healed in a variety of ways. You can't nail down a formula for how Jesus brought healing because it's just so varied. So what I've done is I've put together ways in which healing has come. And then what I'm gonna ask you to do is look at this list of ways in which healing comes and ask yourself, am I, am I 
am I gonna play the odds? Am I, so I'm just gonna pray and believe, but I'm still gonna live in sin. Or I'm gonna live in sin. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just gonna do the ones that are convenient for me. Listen, I'm only gonna do the things on the list that are convenient for me and then blame God that he doesn't heal me. Oh, you don't wanna hear this. You do not wanna hear what I'm about to say. I'm telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enumerate, I'm gonna enunciate, I'm gonna lay it out for you, ways in which the healing of the Lord comes to you. You say, well, I'm doing two of the three, I'm doing five of the seven, I'm doing eight of the, I'm gonna advocate that you consider doing all of them. So let's take a look. You call healing into your body until it gets there. In Romans 4, 17 and Mark eleven twenty three, God calls those things that are not as though they were. And in Mark eleven twenty three, I tell you the truth, anyone who says to this mountain, go throw it into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes and says what will happen, it will be done for him. Oh, wow. Good job, Aaron. There they all are. You can take a picture of them right now. I find that more people like talking about their mountain than to their mountain. Listen, I, I don't consider myself old and decrepit, but when, when you start getting, you start planning your life around doctor's appointments, anybody, you know, like we got the, or you hang out with people that are sick, not necessarily old, but sick people, and it's like this doctor's appointment, that doctor's appointment, and we talk about it, we talk about it, a lot, rather than saying, listen, this is not my disease. This is something the enemy's trying to put on me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rebuke, the, I'm gonna call those things that are not as though they were. I'm gonna speak to this mountain, be removed out of my life. That's my language. It's not my cancer. I don't own it. On earth, as it is, is there cancer in heaven? on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I don't, I don't know, I, you know, I, I prayed for so-and-so, they, they had cancer, they died of cancer. I deal with this a lot. You may have to deal with it too. They go, oh, oh, well, it didn't, it didn't work. Your prayer didn't work. I have, listen, I have about that much responsibility as to whether or not you get healed. I have some pastoral responsibilities, but I'm just responsible to pray. With as much faith as I have, I'm gonna pray. Lord Jesus, heal in the name of Jesus. That's my responsibility. Then we leave the rest to the Lord. There may be things that are in your realm of responsibility because, you know, okay, I'll say it. It's easier for some... living in sin, got rebellion, got unforgiveness in my heart. Oh, I'm sick. Pastor says we should come get prayed. And so I come and get prayed for, oh, I didn't get healed. He got no faith. But you're continuing to live in sin. You're continuing to live in rebellion. You're continuing to be stupid and do, not be stupid, do stupid things. Some on accident, some on purpose. But it's easier for us to blame, to put the, onus to put the blame on somebody else because you didn't get, because you, 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 you did number one and number two out of step 13. 
Are you tracking with me? I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be helpful. I'm trying to be informative. Because six out of 10 of you right now could stand to be healed. Okay. That's said with compassion. That's said with a heart of, of understanding and a heart of mercy. Number two, there's laying on of hands. Someone prays for you to lay hands on you. In Hosea 14.2, you take God's word and you speak it back to him. God, you said this, I'm just repeating it to you. How does that work? When you were a kid and mom said, hey, we're gonna have dessert after dinner, and then the dinner was over, you got to say to mom, hey, mom, you promised dessert. Anybody, kids, remind them of promises? Sometimes they wish, like, did I really say that? Yeah, you said we were gonna go to the park after we got back. Like, oh, I did say that. God never goes back on his word. When you go to the Lord and you say, listen, Father, you said in Isaiah that I was by your stripes, I'm healed. I'm just here to remind you of that. In Romans chapter eight, as you intercede for your healing, it says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit intercedes for us with groans we cannot express. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So you don't know what to pray. Well, then you pray in the Spirit. Well, I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't speak in tongues. Well, then I would suggest that you might consider looking into that. Matthew 18, 18. Bind the Spirit and cast it out. Well, is every sickness a spirit? No, but some of them are. So why risk it? Why risk it? He's like, well, I don't, well, I don't want to believe that it's a spirit. I, 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 my theology does not allow for a spirit to be upon, well, then continue to be in whatever you, if you want to say that's your theology, then deal with the consequences of that belief. Or you can say, you know what? On the outside chance, I might be wrong. This is what I'd say. If, if, if some people, I say, listen, I don't know what your theology is here. Um, you may think that you, 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 that demons can't possess you, and you may think that um, uh, they just oppress you, that they're on you, not in you or around you. But the bottom line is you wanna be free, right? Well, yeah. Well, then would you object to me, say, just on the outside chance that we could be wrong in our thought, would you mind if I cast this out of you and not just off of you? Would you mind about it? And then, well, I, I can't. Well, then you, you may be missing something there. Amen. You may be. Well, I don't, well, then you, you deal with your theology the way that you deal with your theology. I have my degrees in theology, and I have, I, there's been some metamorphosis in my life where all this is concerned. When once I heard someone say, you know what? Christians can't be demon-possessed, but they can possess as many as they like. They're not possessing you, but they're familiar spirits to you, and you, they're around you a lot and you like them and how they feel. And so you may not be possessed, but you can possess as many as you like. Hmm. Right? So let's, on, on, on erring, erring on the side, to err on the side of let's just nuke this thing. Right? Let's go in and take care of business. Why are we going to go in there and pussyfoot around? That's grandma language for just like, what are you doing? Let's go in and let's take no prisoners. Let's knock this thing out. If this, is, if this is the enemy dealing with you, we're gonna deal with it. We're gonna cast him off. We're gonna bind him up. That's what that's all about. 
And this list is for you to study out. Number seven, Luke 10, 19. Use his power and his authority. He says, I've given you all power and authority to overcome the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Power and authority. Power and authority. Authority is the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Power is... Authority is to the badge of a policeman as the gun is to the power of a policeman. The policeman stands in the road and puts up his hand and you stop. You're stopping because of his authority. If you don't stop, now he's gonna have to use some power, right? So you, you speak to the sickness, you speak to the disease in the name of Jesus. Well, then what is the power? I can ask, I can, I, I can ask uh, uh, any one of you, any one of you, Hey, go down to my, go out to my, go out to my car, get in my car, uh, get my wallet and bring it here. Would you please do that for me? Absolutely. And so they go out to my car and then the safety team says, hey, what are you doing around pastor's car? You shouldn't be out here. And they say, I'm, pastor sent me. I have authority to be here. They go, oh, no problem, right? And they say, well, then, then how are you gonna get? Well, I have the key. I have the power to get in, not just the authority to get in. So the enemy man has come to your life and, and, and wreaked havoc and you say, listen, I gotta get this thing out, I gotta get it off, whatever, and I'm, not, I'm done with it. Well, then you have the power and you have the authority. Note this, it's not your power and it's not your authority. It's all authority, all power I have and I'm giving it to you. So you gotta remember how this fountain flows. It flows down, not up. Number eight, According to 1 Corinthians, you can find somebody who has the gift of healing. There are people whose prayers for healing seem to be more effective than other people's prayers for healing. Doesn't mean they're more spiritual than anybody else. It means they just have a gift. Well, how did they earn? They didn't earn the gift. It was just given to them. And this is, this is key about all gifts of the Spirit. They're never for you. When you make a gift of the Spirit all about you, you're a problem. You're just a problem child. Me, 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 mine, mine, mine. Shut the, shut the door on that. Gifts are for other people. So you have this gift of healing, then, then, then you be praying for people. Pastor, I believe God's got me the, given me the gift of healing. Step right on up. So you may want to find somebody that you believe has. I'm not talking about some new age shaman's going to rub some crystals together. Get that stuff out of your life, Right? I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the cross. I'm talking about the blood. I'm talking about Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. None of that new age funky stuff. Just to say it. Matthew 9, or uh, Matthew 18, uh, number 9. Find someone to agree with you. This is the prayer of agreement. It's one thing for you to say, I'm going to believe, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to believe. But, hey, would you believe with me? Would you would you stand here with me? Why? Because we're in the same text, in the same context. Jesus is saying, we're two or three, there I am in the midst of them. So this is the same place where he says, touch and agree, and the prayer of agreement. So you get together, you say, hey, Mark, would you come here? Hey, Tom, would you come here? Lisa, whatever. And would you, would you, would you pray in agreement? Well, what do you need? Well, I'm, I need healing because this is what's going on in my heart, or my legs, my knee, my back, whatever. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with you. How can I agree with you? Because I know it to be true here. I've had people ask me to agree with them in prayer for stuff that isn't in here, and I'm going, nah, sorry, I can't do that. What do you mean? 
says if we, if we agree. Well, we have to agree. This is, this is the foundation for our agreement. Where are we? Number 10, the prayer of faith. That's speaking to your mountain again. Yeah, well, Lord, it'd be, a, it'd be a good idea. If you might, would you could? No, no. the prayer of faith, I believe. What is faith? Faith is evidence. Like in a court of law, you step up and you sit in that, you sit in the, bo- you sit in the box, you sit in the, where, where you give testimony and they say, well, what, what did you see? Well, I saw this, I did that, so on and so forth. Well, go, Wait a second, you weren't there, how do you know? Well, I just believe, I just believe it. Well, that's faith, that's faith. Faith is evidence. You can submit in the court of law in heaven, your faith is admissible evidence. Not, in, not, on, not on this earth. If they say, well, well that's, I, I, th- I thought I saw Shad do that. I, I, yeah, I believe Shad did that. Well, unless you have proof, that there's no way that's gonna stand up in law, in the court of law. But in the court of heaven, you say, I believe that by his stripes I am healed. I believe that to the core of my being. I'm not, I'm not going to, oh, I'm not gonna surrender my mind to, this, to the prison sell to the slavery of reason. That's hard for us because we're Western thinkers and everything needs to be linear and things need to be logical and it always needs to add up to be whatever it is that you're looking for. That's wonderful if you're a mathematician, not so good if you're a theologian, not so good if you're a Christian. Because God doesn't do math like we do math, right? Yeah, you don't believe that. One plus one equals two, right? No, not in the kingdom of God. One man plus one woman equals one unit. See, it's different. It's just different. God does math different. God does everything different. And so, so well, he's all, he always does it. No, he doesn't always. He does it the way that pleases him. And the best thing for us as his children is to look at this list and say, you know what? Six out of 10 of us have sickness or disease in our life. It might be a good idea for us just to start to rejoice, knowing he's compassionate, know that he's loving, know that he's there for us, that he's fulfilled in every prophet. I'm just gonna rejoice. This is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. Even today, this terrible day where you're in pain and sick and diseased, this still is the day that the Lord has made. You will rejoice you have, to tell, you have to tell your spirit man because you didn't feel like it, you don't feel like it. Drag yourself into church, you drag yourself into some sort oh, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 I have come to minister to the Lord regardless of how I feel. Hello? Worshipers, regardless of how I feel, I will worship. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hey, wake up in there. I'm a spiritual being before I'm a physical being. Yes, I have physical pain, but that's temporary. This soul will live forever. I'm a spirit being having a physical manifestation rather than the other way around. I will live forever and I will be, I'd rather be in the courts of heaven for eternity. If dealing with this pain or whatever, listen, Lord, even if you don't deliver me from this, I will still praise you. So what's the priority? Praising him, worshiping him, lifting up his name, giving shouts of praise, lifting your hands, continuing to worship him, even in your sickness, even in your disease, even in your pain. 
Worship of his children gets his attention. Behind me, I hear, Grandpa, I love you. Huh, which one was that? Get your attention. Not whining. Quiet. I told you, knock it off. Don't make me. That's the wrong kind of attention. And some of us are guilty. God, complain, complain, complain. You know what's beautiful? Go to visit a sick person that doesn't complain. I'm like, I wanna cry right now just thinking about it. This woman ministers to, to people that have cancer. She's a cancer nurse, my wife. When they come in and they're a believer and they're not complaining, they're just praising God. I don't know why, I'm, I don't know why, but this is, I'm gonna keep trusting God. Has a good attitude. That's the way I wanna be if I ever end up in that boat. But you come visit me in the hospital and you don't pray that I get healed, I'm gonna slap you. Don't, don't come pray for me. And dear Lord, just give him comfort. Oh, dear Lord, just let him pass in peace. Churches, denominations, and ministers that do not believe that God can heal, when they go and pray for people in the hospital, that's how they pray. Because there's no faith for healing. Oh, Wow. Okay, we're out of time, I think, because I'm gonna have an opportunity for you to come forward and get prayed for here in just a minute. So um, what number do we end up on there for? Okay, let's, let's do 12 and 13 together. Uh, and this is gonna be important. We're worshiping him as concerned. In Numbers chapter 21, we're gonna take this quickly. They spoke against God and against Moses. They, the people that wandered in the desert, they said, Moses, you brought us out of Egypt out here in the desert to die. There's no bread out here. There's no water out here. We detest this miserable quail and manna. Then the Lord sent, oh yeah, that's you complaining? Don't make me stop this car. Okay, here we go. There wasn't praise, there wasn't worship, there was complaining. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many of them died. You don't think things gonna get, you don't like the food? Okay, try these snakes. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. Verse seven, the people came to Moses. Hey, Moses, oh, here's something. We sinned. How about that? There's a confession of sin. Not, hey, just get rid of this stuff. We don't deserve this. No, we confess that we've sinned. We spoke against the Lord and against you. Now would you please pray to the Lord they'll take, take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole. And then when anyone was bitten, all they had to do was look at that snake and they lived. There's a couple artist renditions. No one was there to take a picture. That was a joke. <laughs> so this is Moses. Here's a stick with a bronze serpent on it. I like that one because it shows the masses, the masses of people behind Moses. The other one is a little more Sunday school-ish, but it gets you a little bit better uh, up-close picture of what Moses did. Now, I love this. So pay close attention. There was sickness, 
Lord said, get a snake, put it on a stick, and that will bring healing to the, to the people when they see it. A thousand years later, the Greeks in their mythology come up with a mythological character, Asclepius. You may not know Asclepius. Asclepius is the Greek god of healing. A thousand years after Moses, a thousand years after Moses, this bronze statue is made in Greece. Well, 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 look you there. Asclepius, the mythological Greek god of medicine. Well, that thing, that thing that he's holding, a stick that's got a snake wrapped around it, has a name, Carduceus. It's called a Carduceus. It's the symbol for modern medicine. The definition of a Carduceus staff is from ancient times that shows one or two serpents coiled around a staff. The symbol is the medical one. The word itself means herald. The original Carduceus is a biblical origin, a rod with a brass snake on it. The Greeks, a thousand years later, gave it to their god Hermes, a rod that had wings on the top two snakes entwined around it. But their god of healing, Asclepius, had the same rod and a snake that Moses had. Don't you find that interesting that that's the modern day symbol for medicine? All the way back to Greek mythology? No, no, no. All the way back to Moses. In the Old Testament, in, this, is, this is the Old Testament. Inside the Old Testament is the New Testament. The New Testament is concealed. In the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. However, in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. So what does this mean to us? Well, let's look at the words of Jesus. In John chapter three, right before he says, John 3, 16. He says, John 3, 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the, what, who's saying this? Jesus is saying this. He is now gonna tell you what Moses did was concealed of what's about to happen. I'm going to reveal to you the truth. What Moses did was a foreshadowing. It was a type, it was saying, hey, watch this because I'm going to fulfill it. And this is what he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Amen. In Acts chapter 10, 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. So in the Old Testament, you have a photo, you have a picture in your mind of a snake on a stick. In the New Testament, it's Jesus on the cross, looking to him. I'm talking about worship. In this list of things to do while dealing with sickness or disease, worshiping him, looking, looking to him. That's what they, had. they didn't have to do anything other in the Old Testament, they had to do nothing else, just look at him. By grace, through faith, looking at Jesus. What do I have to do? I gotta hop on one leg, I gotta fall out in the Holy Ghost, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta do that. No, 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 no! Look to Jesus. 
Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's your healer. We sang it this morning. And then finally, the last one, James 5, 14. Is any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. We go to this one often. We go, hey, that, that, you need to get healed? Do that. But that's, that's number, what is that, 12 or 13 on the list? What about all the other stuff? Healing is not like some vending machine prize where you just, you know, you just drop a quarter or, or the worst one where you, where you have the, the claw that doesn't really grab anything. You ever try to explain that to a kid? Well, I want that one. I just put my quarter, my 50 cent in my dollar. Now, it's, I don't know how much it is now. It is $17 maybe to put that in. It's crazy. Well, you're not gonna win every time. You think, if I do this and I do this, that, that no, I'm telling you, this is a lifestyle to, to receive, to walk. And we're gonna give you an opportunity right now. I'm gonna fact ask the deacons to come forward. Uh, if they have a spouse with them, any of the staff that are here, come on forward right now and come down to the front. We're going to uh, give you an opportunity to participate in this part of receiving a healing. So why don't you all stand up as they come. And this is how we're gonna conclude. Aaron, you have some music for us. Those of you that are watching online, you can feel free to call the church. Click or call us anytime. We'll pray for you. Those of you watching by television, you can click or call us anytime. We'll pray. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, ways to give, and more information about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.